SBC Media. Welcome to Behind the Badge, the podcast from SBC Sponsorship and Insider Sport, discussing the latest approaches to sports sponsorship. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Badge podcast, uh, an inside look at the running of some of the world's biggest sports clubs from a from a commercial aspect. And dare I say, today's episode is a real home run. Jesus, <laughs> Joe, please behave. Had to get it in there. Had to do it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we've, yeah, we've um, stacked the decks with our lineup today, though. I'll uh, let them introduce themselves. Starting with yourself, David, how, how are you doing today? Hey Joe, doing well. Uh, great to great to see you guys, and, and great to be on. Fantastic, and uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about your club and where you're from and your role. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I work with Kansas City Royals, um, major league baseball team here in Kansas City. I oversee our partnership development efforts. Um, been with the club for two seasons now. Um, prior to uh, working here with Kansas City Royals, I've worked in major league soccer uh, with Sporting Kansas City. And then I've also worked in NFL and NBA with the New Orleans Saints and New Orleans Pelicans. Well, uh, yeah, let's get things underway and talk about the Kansas City Royals, a really unique MLB side. And yeah, just uh, I guess, David, just to kick us off, tell us a, a little bit about um, how uh, the, com- the commercial side of the Kansas City Royals and how baseball teams were sort of slower to take up betting deals due to the MLB not authorizing those deals as, as quick as other major leagues and as sort of how that affected you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a, that's a fair point. I think MLB as a whole, to your point, was a little bit slower to um, to put their foot into sports betting. And, and you see in a lot of ways, a lot of categories, MLB doesn't want to be the first mover um, and they want to see how things are going to shake out with, with other leagues. Um, I will say they were... Um, we were able to do deals in fantasy sports um, prior to sports betting. So there's, as you guys know, a very thin line in a lot of ways of how, how companies are promoting fantasy sports versus sports betting. Um, so for for the Royals, it, the, the uh, MLB taking a little bit longer to uh, approve sports betting didn't affect us as much because in the United States, as you guys know and have seen, um, a lot of these are affected by state by state, right? Um, so some of the first states, some of the first movers probably were a little bit more affected, um, for us, uh, Missouri, unfortunately still has not passed sports betting, um, but our neighboring state, Kansas has. So we've been able to take advantage of, of that from that perspective. Um, so, um, we're, we're happy that Kansas has at least taken that step within our marketing territory and footprint. Yeah. That's a really unique position to be in, right. With two, the two different markets having two different, uh, regulatory frameworks I, I guess that's presented a few challenges but also opportunities as well yeah absolutely so uh when you look at the kansas city dma we are split almost exactly 50 50 between kansas the state of kansas and state of missouri um so kansas uh we're coming up on almost a year now since kansas has approved sports betting so from that perspective uh we've been able to um talk to some brands um and, and bring in uh one partner here with the kansas city royals um because of the because of Kansas approving sports betting. Um, the challenge is we play in Missouri. We play in the state of Missouri. Um, so that that brings some challenges from the perspective of when you're thinking of promoting sports betting, when you're thinking of promoting, hey, take out your phone while you're at the ballpark and, and bet on this or um, or um, any kind of um, action. We, we don't have the ability to do that in the ballpark. So there are some challenges, um, even though Kansas is live with Missouri still, still dragging their feet a little bit. It, it presents some challenges for us. Just kind of jumping back to the to the um, 
to the MLB for a second, you know, the AGO program that exists within the sport, when you, you know, finally, I guess, did get that approval to go to market and all the rest of it, has that program limited you in, in terms of the conversations that you've been able to have? You know, does that make it more difficult to go to market? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So the approved gaming operator um, with MLB, just for, for everyone's awareness. So um, MLB, basically, um, in order for uh, brands, sports betting organizations to get approved data, um, they have to become an approved gaming operator within MLB. So uh, not every brand has done that. Um, not every brand sees the value in it, but you can say pretty much every major player, when you think of the big three, big four, every major player has is an approved gaming operator within MLB. There are some mid-tier brands that aren't, um, which does present some challenges for us. Um, we, we see some value in partnering with certain brands that MLB says we cannot because they're not approved. Um, yeah. Where it is actually very interesting outside of sports betting is this also leaks into um, casinos and gambling in casinos. Um, yeah. So I think what an unintended consequence of this is um, it's limited us from partnering with local casinos here um, because they're not their parent company is an approved gaming operator. Yeah, I had a com- I've had a, a, a few conversations in this space where, you know, baseball teams have told me that they've lost out on millions of dollars of revenue because they've had a casino, a local casino has been their casino it partner is. for the last 15 years. And then the AGO program drops and, you know, they have to lose, they have to lose those longstanding partnerships. But, and, it, and then in addition to that, the pool that they can then fish in is, is so limited that they can't drive the value from it anyway. Um, yeah. So what, 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 I guess a category that has widely been seen as a bit of a gold rush ca- category in some instances has ended up being, you know, net negative. Yeah, I would say it's definitely challenging. Um, we have a couple of casinos here that are um, local that aren't approved gaming operators. And um, we've had some conversations that had interest and then we go through the process and MLB has, has put a pause on, on those partnerships. Not to say they can't become approved gaming operators. Um, I, I assume that it's not a cheap endeavor for for these brands to do with MLB. Yeah. So there's probably some hesitancies there. Um, so it, it, to your point, it has become um, in some ways a net negative for some clubs. Uh, do you see that uh, that sort of uh, I guess regulatory red tape uh, untangling in the, in the future, or is it likely to be there? At, but would you see it sort of slowing down a little bit? Um, I think it'll be there. I, I respect and appreciate the program, right? It's MLB yeah, is making sure they're protecting yeah. their data. They're making sure the brands the teams are partnering with are legitimate and um, and are going about everything the right way. So I respect the program. I respect what MLB has done with the approved gaming operator um, program. Um, but at the end of the day, it does present some challenges. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right in saying that as well, David. I think there's, there's definitely two camps on it. Um, but for, for all of the negative stuff that, that can sometimes be said about it, it is there in the best interest of the game, in the best, mm-hmm. best interest of protecting the category and all the rest of it. Um, completely agree. I, I guess the positive is, and you've kind of alluded to it already, you do have the, the partnership with Underdog that, that you've managed to strike. Do you want to talk us a little bit yeah. through that? But, you know, the, the process with you that took place there and, and, and kind of the wins that you've had there. Yeah, absolutely. So Underdog Sports is uh, just a great example of, of- a club and a sports betting brand really just finding that national connection. Um, yeah. It was really from from day one when we first met with them, it was very clear that both of our organizations were trying to push the boundaries to be more innovative, to think differently about about our brands. 
Um, and we really told this, this story and, and came up with this story of, uh, the name of underdog, where, where did that name come from? What does that mean to them? And then looking at us as a small market baseball team who were not spending three, $400 billion on, on teams, like some of the major market teams are. Uh, yeah. so that just whole thought of, of, we're both underdogs, we're both in this together. And how do we tell our story, um, and promote our brands you know, in a similar fashion. So. Um, underdog sports it's a it's a great organization we're really focusing right now once again since missouri isn't live with sports betting we're really focusing right now on the fantasy side of things um yeah. and promoting daily fantasy um fantasy sports within their program their platform with the hopes of eventually if and when missouri finally gets their act together um being able to yeah. promote meaning promote and, and build out the sports betting side through that partnership that's great i mean it sounds like a really positive kind of joint journey as well yeah, it's, it's a fun one. Um, we're doing anything from, uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, we have our dog day at the K, which we, we bring yeah, dogs cool. out to the ballpark. And you think of underdog and they're doing, there's going to be a pet adoption. There's going to be some really cool promotions within that. And it's a fun, natural connection. Um, they are the presenting partner of our hot dog race, right? So just some <laughs> really fun stuff that, <laughs> that we're doing with them. You think of racing, betting, that, that kind of stuff. There's just a fun, natural connection there. Um, so it's a, it's a fun partnership. We're doing some innovative stuff and they really lean in and hone in on the content side of things, which we, we appreciate because that's important to us as well. So when they're coming out for this, uh, dog day at the K here in a couple of weeks, um, they're going to bring out their whole content team and they're going to film and, and bring out some influencers and they'll promote everything on their channel, which really helps both of our brands. Forgive me for, uh, sort of. Uh, the, the the sort of news hounding me with uh, the ESPN deal and the, the Penn Sports and this story is monumental for US sports betting. So I, I wanted to sort of get your reaction and how big you think uh, ESPN bet can be just because of that namesake. Yeah, it's it's tough to gauge, right? Uh, I'm sure you guys have read some of the articles and, and done some of your own research. Um, it's really tough to say, hey, is this going to be successful? What percentage of market share are they going to are they going to take over? I think we can all say that yes, there there will be a, a massive shift in some form or fashion, um, whether that's a short term shift, long term shift, whoever that is. Um, to your point, the name of ESPN, I guarantee you, if, if I walked around the office right now, every single person has ESPN downloaded on their on their phone. It's just it's everyone has the ESPN app, so they're going to be in people's lives no matter what, and they're going to be able to promote their brand, promote sports betting on a daily basis through their app, even if you have to download a second app for, to actually bet they're still going to be creating content and being in everyone's lives on a daily basis. I think where, where, where we've seen it will come down to, we've seen some of these other sports betting brands start to fold. You've seen Fox bet, um, points bet, um, a couple others that have, have started to, to walk away from the game is, um, just the experience, the user experience. It's, it's important to keep, um, keep people betting on your platform, right? Most people probably will at least try it. There's going to be some sort of offer that, that's appealing enough to try it. But how do they keep users coming back? How do they create a unique engagement um, and keep that experience top notch? And I think that'll be, if they can do that right, I think it'll be a huge differentiator and a huge shake up in the market. Yeah, you you spoke before about just to sort of uh, build on that. You spoke before about you know the importance of fantasy sports and is very much uh, is sort of etched its way into the UK a little bit, but it is. is really ingrained in sporting culture in in the US and. I guess that will play a big role as well if they can sort of tap into that and that type of free-to-play model. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be interesting. It'll it'll take some time, but it'll, but it'll be an interesting couple of years to see kind of how this this market shakes up here. And it's still so young, right? Um, we're only five years into sports betting being legal. There's still 20 plus states that haven't legalized sports betting. So we're still so young in this in the United States. Uh, but I, I expect over the next several years, we'll see some some more shocking news and and some more um, takeovers and, and other brands uh, merging and all that kind of stuff. So who knows what the future holds in this industry? Yeah, no, I think that consolidation is a natural thing to see, isn't it? Especially mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it, feel, it feels like we've kind of had that first first wave of it in the in the US market now, like, you know, a bit, a little bit of consolidation has taken place and then there'll be new growth to come off the back of that and new players and ESPN and with that venture is certainly going to be one to, one to watch, I'd have thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to give MLB's dues, I know kind of we, I've, I've probably been a little bit harsh with them on the AGO stuff <laughs> or we may have come across a little bit harsh um, and, and, you know, we kind of said a little bit of a slow mover a considered mover, I guess, would be the better way to put it in, in terms of sports betting. But you guys have been working on on a deal in the CBD space, and MLB have have been quicker to um to kind of explore that that category and that um those commercial opportunities for the teams. Um, David, do you want to talk us through a little bit what what you're doing in that space? And you know, it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So to give a little bit of background here, so. It was about a year ago now, maybe about 13 months ago, MLB um, opened up the CBD category um, for clubs to, yeah. to be able to bring in CBD partners. Um, the first major league in the big four, even the big five, to really um, open up the category, which to your point, MLB, and we talked about this a little earlier, doesn't usually, isn't usually the first mover on, on these kinds of things. So I think it was a little surprising for all of us, but credit to them for doing their due diligence, for understanding not only this is just the category for for partnerships, but understanding the benefits of CBD and understanding that by opening up the category that, that there's a lot of opportunities for for our fans to be more educated for for us to do do this right. And um, in order to for brands and teams to partner up with a brand, um, they have to be what we call what they call NSF or sports certified, which is a very exhaustive yeah. certification process. There's only a handful of CBD brands that have been certified. And a handful more since MLB announced this. So, um, so I think they did all their research. They they've made sure that as teams are partnering with brands, they're partnering with the right brands because there's there's a lot out there that um, there's a very thin line between marijuana and CBD, and, and they wanted to make sure that we're we're doing this right. So um, through that process, we talked to you can imagine every every major player in the space, and um, man, it's it's almost similar to, to what I was just talking about with Underdog, but. It was one of those where where we um, realized really early on uh, we had started out a conversation with Pure Spectrum, who is now our official CBD partner, um, and it was just it was it was natural. You could tell that they were really focused on the wellness side of things and um, education as well. And they wanted to be a first mover. They wanted to be a shaker. They knew knew that by getting into a partnership with us that there could be some challenges. There's going to be some education on on what is CBD, what does it do for you, and uh, so they've been an incredible partner. Um, we we just launched a partnership with them, I believe, in early May. So still new, still fresh for all of us. But so far, it's been a great, great partnership to really promote the benefits of CBD, promote the wellness side. Um, and some of the things that they're doing with us through that partnership are, are pretty innovative and pretty pretty cool for, for all of us. Yeah, so it is really cool to see. And I, I guess as well, some of the principles can be taken into gambling partnerships in terms of education mm-hmm. and 
sort of uh, yeah the the learning curve and so yeah certainly uh, op- optimism for progression in that space as well but a really cool partnership cool to see uh, you being innovative in the CBD space somewhere else that you're extremely innovative is uh, uh, your g- general approach to marketing and the uh, the how you've brought it internally and uh, yeah I just wondered if you could talk a little bit more on the the strategy that you've you've had to marketing and uh, the commercial aspect of the sport. Absolutely. Uh, so from a marketing perspective, we're the first major league baseball club to launch our own in-house creative marketing agency. Um, and we call them Pine Tar Collective. Um, if you know anything about the Royals, do do some research. George Brett, you'll you'll understand where that name Pine Tar Collective came from. Um, it's 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 a fun backstory. Um, so really what we what we realized our ownership group realized when they came in a couple of years ago was we had our we had our um, social media team sitting over here and we had our game day crew sitting over here and we had our traditional marketing crew over here and no one was talking no one was interacting um, on a day-to-day basis and everyone was kind of siloed um, so the idea came of why don't we bring them all under one roof into one house give them their own brand but then also create an agency side of it. Start bringing in copywriters, bringing in graphic designers, um, videographers, all of that, and really create an agency that, um, number one, promotes the Royals brand and is in charge of uh, creating a, a unique uh, marketing strategy for the Royals brand. But for, for me, where it's exciting is, is they're also really an extension of the marketing team for our partners as well. Um, so our partners have really leaned into to utilizing Pine Heart Collective um, for their marketing efforts with the Royals. But where it's fun too is even outside of the Royals, they're they're coming to Pine Heart Collective and saying, "Hey, I've got this this marketing idea. You, Pine Heart Collective, is is an agency of record. How how do we do this? How do we go to market? How do we uh, create a strategy here?" Um, so it's been really cool. That's to, so to valuable, see. isn't it? It is. It so, is. That, like like for you to for you to be able to go and sell that as well, right? To be able to say to prospective partners. You know, we're not just here to support you through the delivery of the partnership, but you can actually tap into the resources and know that this team is here if you want to, uh, you know, use them for, um, you know, kind of other uh, other activations, other activities. That's incredibly valuable to to have that in place. And I know when we spoke about this before, we've kind of said, you know, my experience of working in professional sports teams as well has always been that all those teams are completely disparate and it's very hard to get everyone on the same yeah. page. Um, uh, one thing that I wanted to kind of ask you about, you mentioned kind of some of the initiatives that you're launching um, with Underdog. How how involved were the internal agency in, in coming up with those ideas, you know, bringing them to life? Is that, you know, you, you kind of go to them and brief them on it and they just, it, it's them who comes up with all of that or do you go to them with like the skeleton framework of something? How does that relationship work between kind of the internal partnership team and then handing it over into that into that marketing function? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, for us, when you think of partnership, partnership development, my job is to, is to bring in new partners, right? And, and to um, create unique stories and all of that. And I couldn't do what I do without Pintar being with us every step of the way. So from our perspective, we're, we're going out, hey, the CBD category just opened up. Let's, let's talk to some brands. Hey, Pure Spectrum really seems like, like a, a great brand we want to we want to try to create a story for them so my team once we we realize hey there there's something here then we go to pine tar collective we sit down we brainstorm we go through a creative brief we really learn about their brand and it's it's our goal our goal is to really fully understand their brand and almost become an expert in their brand before we're 
we're ready to pitch. Um, so we want to be able to, to, in the actual pitch and the actual presentation, show them that we understand their brand. We're using their language, not ours. Um, we're, we're, um, able to, to speak in the way that they speak. So I thought our collective is a huge piece and huge part of that. So they're the ones that are really creating the presentation they work with us on coming up with the ideas and really being able to connect back with the brand. Um, once we've come Sorry to an to agreement, interrupt, David, just, yeah, go ahead. Just while, just, just while you're in that sale, cause obviously we're in the sales process, I guess there, yep. have you seen that using Pintar to help inform that sales process with the narrative that they create and, the, and, and everything else, has that improved your hit rate in terms of converting those conversations into partnerships? Would you say? I would, I would say so. Yes. Um, my only other experience would be from other teams, but I would say it is, it is a massive differentiator when, when we're talking to brands that might yeah. be talking to some of our competitors in the market. Um, you, you can tell by their reactions, by the way they're talking back to us that, that they aren't seeing what, what they're seeing with us, with other teams in the market or other MLB teams. So it's, it's hard to put an yeah. exact number on it, but I would say it, it definitely helps us stand out from, from other brands and other teams. Yeah. Cool. Sorry to interrupt. Carry on with the journey that you were talking to us about. You know, so you, you, you've got no, them on no. board. Yeah, no worries. So once we've we've come to an agreement, we all of that. It's really getting fine to our collective and our partnerships team and the and the partner together, um, and really figuring out how to best execute some of these ideas. Some of them are, are big ideas that that we've kind of sold in and and Pintard has an idea of how we're going to do it, but we still need to execute it. Right. So they're once again yeah, with absolutely. us every step of the way. Um, when we talk about pure spectrum, one of the things that we, um, had originally worked on was a, um, a cooling lodge cause it's hot in the summer. It's baseball's hot. So, Hey, can we put a cooling lodge in, um, at, at the K for, for summer months to keep people, um, cool down, learn about the benefits of CBD, all of that. And from what we originally pitched and presented to what it turned out to be were, were two totally different things in a great way. Um, and once again, Fine Talk Collective is there every step of the way to help us ideate and create and make sure the brand's happy, make sure it fits with our brand. That's fantastic. It's really cool. I love the idea of it. Um, I guess, I guess just to tie into that, um, one thing that we absolutely don't experience over here is the length of the off season that you guys have. You know, yeah. the football season finishes. We have, you know, postseason tours a couple of weeks off. Then there's preseason tours, and then we're into a new football season. Um, and and during that period, it's all transfer news and buzz and all the rest of it. Uh, obviously, you guys you guys don't have that. So, how important is Pine Tar and um, as an internal resource in fan engagement throughout that period? And just how does that? How do you deliver that? I guess because it's for, for for us over here in Europe, that's that's a really difficult job to do. Hey, it's it's not easy, um, and I, I do not it's envy my for um, for that having that role and, and having to keep fans engaged year round. Um, but they do a really good job at it, and we're we're always trying to push the boundaries of of the off season. When you think about the baseball season, I think our our biggest advantage is frequency. Right, we're six months yeah. out of the year. We're the summer months. We don't have a lot of competition in the summer. Um, and 162 games and no other, no, no other sport can touch that. So I huge think that's a volume. Huge, huge advantage for us in season. But to your point, George, how do we, how do we engage out of season? So, um, October hits, um, you have MLB playoffs. If we're not in the playoffs, obviously we still need to, need to try to stay relevant. Um, and then you have spring training, which starts in February. So when you think about it, um, the time that we're not active, not playing is only about, about three months. So, um, 
is it easy in those three months to stay connected, to stay um, top people's lives? No, but I think what Pine Tar has done is, is one, we lean on our players. What are they doing in the off season? I think our fans really, really um, love seeing some of that stuff. Salvador Perez, who's, who's our captain and, and has been part of our World Series team, he travels the world in the off season, and we, we want to highlight that, right? So, so we're showing some of our players what they're doing in the off season. We're trying to create events in the off season too to get people hyped and excited and all that for the upcoming season. Um, one of the initiatives that we've done for a really long time and we've been just continue to improve on it is um, our Royals rally. So that's usually in February, right before spring training, doing a huge rally here at Kauffman Stadium to get our fans excited for the season. Um, and it's it's an interesting time, especially when you look at the Chiefs who just won the Super Bowl. Um, how do we how do we gauge that excitement? Because most fans were Chiefs fans or Royals fans and vice versa. So yeah. we, we try to yeah. take that excitement, roll that into something like a Royals rally to get people going, hey, the excitement from from the Chiefs, we're just rolling that right over to the Royals. Um, it's our season today. Super Bowl's in February. We hit, we hit spring training two weeks later. Um, so it's kind of a natural connection to that end. And as, and as, a, as a sports organization, are you, do, you, do you have to compete with the Chiefs? Like, I'm guessing if you're, if you're from the region, you, you kind of support both. Would that yeah. be, is that a bad assumption to make or is that fair? I, I would say more than anything, we complement each other. Um, and sure, yeah. you're always, you're always going to compete in some form or fashion. You're competing for dollars, for, for tickets, um, even though we don't play same season you're, you're competing for your fans yeah. dollars right because they are a lot of ways they of are course, the same yeah. fans but i think when you look at the seasonality of, of baseball and and american football um we we really do complement each other uh you you'll see um, we play right across from them um so truman sports complex um Coffin stadium is is here where i'm at right now and i'm looking out my window and, and i see arrowhead stadium so um we, yeah, we yeah. play really Incredible. nice together um and and we really do see each other as partners in a lot of ways uh, no, no, that's uh, that is great. That is beneficial, like George says. It's uh, really cool to see. And, uh, do do you collaborate on on things as well, or is it you know simply just a, a United Spirit? Yeah, I think mostly United Spirit. We're going to collaborate on some things here or there. You see some silly mascot videos, right, of our mascot and their mascot doing some fun stuff. So we'll collaborate on some social efforts here or there. I think for the most part, it's just showing that we're on a United front. We're we're both here to to obviously win games and and to promote Kansas City in, in a positive light and whichever way we can, whether that's through community efforts, through games, whatever that is. So I think we're united in that, Brad. Yeah, I love that. And it really does underline the uh, community yeah. spirit of Kansas City as well. And uh, on that community spirit, um, I, I can't let you go without asking you about a potential new stadium uh, in the pipeline uh yeah how, how are we doing uh how yeah give us give us an update yeah absolutely so um I, I can tell you about as much as, as the media knows um and, and that is truly about all that i know but we are in the no process. exclusives come on david <laughs> <laughs> uh if i knew if i knew something I'd, I'd let you guys know maybe off the podcast um but um we are we're down to our final two sites um for us it's not a matter of, of if it's a matter of when and where um, so we're down to our final two sites and site selection here within the Kansas city area. One is downtown. One is just North of downtown, North of the river. Um, we're hoping, um, John Sherman, our, our owners told us and told the public that by end of September, we'll be able to choose our final site, which once that happens, things will start to get, get real fairly quickly. Um, once we have final site yeah. selection, then it goes to, uh, to a public vote. Um, so obviously that, that's exciting for us, right. Um, to, to have that 
on the horizon um, from a partnership perspective. It's it's huge, um, but from a fan fan perception and, and engagement and all that, it, it's an absolute game changer for us. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's going to be massive, right? Is uh, just how much of a boost is that going to yeah, be? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I think we've done some economic studies, and there, there's I don't have all the numbers right in front of me, but um, hundreds of millions of dollars in economic impact by having a stadium downtown where we're at right now. It's great for NFL and it's good for us, but it's a massive tailgating lot. And the whole thought of us moving to downtown or near downtown is to create um, a mixed-use facility. So think of apartment complexes and restaurants and office buildings and, and parks and all of that right around the area of the stadium. So we're really creating a mixed-use development that, that can be used 365 days a year, not just the 81 home games that, that were here at Coffin Stadium. Um, so we think that's going to greatly impact fan experience, fan engagement. We want our fans and we think our fans will stay longer. They'll come earlier, have, have dinner before a game. They'll stay afterwards for a drink. Um, and we really, really truly believe that that'll, that'll create uh, one of a kind experience here for, for our fans that doesn't exist currently. This sounds fantastic. Well, we'll have to make sure we, uh, once it's all done and dusted and, and you know where you're going and it's built. Me and Joe are going to have to come over for a game. Come on out. Most certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hold you to that, David. We'll, we'll be over uh, for sure. Uh, really excited and really exciting times ahead for the Kansas City Royals as well. And thanks ever so much for your time today. And yeah, good luck with the future. Good luck with the new stadium plans. And thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, th- thanks again. Joe George, appreciate you having me. SBC Media.